Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, the NBA waits for no man, not even for our scheduled Drew Holiday mock trade podcast that we are going to record tonight with Dan. So congratulations, all that prep is out the window. That certainly should help us in our discussion here of the second part of this training camp eve blockbuster after Portland acquired Drew Holiday and joining us, the reason we weren't going to record until tonight, but uh, now we have to do it. Danny is coming off of Red Eye. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, it, it is a lot to process and to let people know a little bit. I was going to be the Blazers in that. So I've been thinking a lot about what I would prioritize in a return for Drew Holiday. And we knew that it was likely a deal would happen quickly and that you and I have on our breakdown of the Lillard trade talked about how it was it could make sense that these were separate transactions. And before we get all the way into the weeds, the terms here, the Portland Trailblazers are trading Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics. We're going to talk a whole lot about that for two first round picks, uh, the Warriors in 24, which the Celtics acquired in the Marcus Smart trade. And their own 2029 unprotected first, plus Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, we'll talk about the Portland angle of this quite a bit. And we'll, of course, talk about the financial aspects for Boston, the price that was paid, all of that. But I think for me, when a possible championship contender makes a move like this, the first question, even before you talk about the price that was paid, is how good are they and how good are they specifically relative to the quality you need to win a championship? So what is your answer to that question? Maybe we should just run through first who is actually on this team now, what their rotation would look like. I think we can expect that their closing five will be start. We'll have a foundational four of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, and Kristaps Porzingis. And then the fifth will be a little context dependent. That will either be Al Horford, or I think in more situations, though potentially not the most important one, it'll be Derek White. Yeah, my guess would be they're going to start White and bring Horford off the bench. Uh, just both because Missoula didn't seem to be as into the two big thing, but also just because you need a Horford playing backup center now. They don't really have another established backup center, at least not in the playoffs. Maybe, you know, Luke Cornett gave them some decent stuff in the regular season last year. But just with Al Horford being 37 to just, it's a lot asking him to both start and then also be the primary backup center when you probably want to keep him in the 20 to 25 minute per game range during the regular season. And he'll also probably be the most likely of these guys to miss back-to-backs and whatnot. So they'll want to 
keep continuity in the starting lineup i would imagine uh, as well and so yeah Derek white drew holiday jalen braun jason tatum chris staff's porzingis i mean that is that's a lot of talent i mean there are some people who think of Derek white and statistically this is correct i don't know if i agree with it as being like a top 50 type of player in the nba then you've probably got two guys who last year or, or three guys excuse me drew jalen and Porzingis who are kind of in that 25 to 35 range I would say and you know some of these guys are not necessarily hugely proven playoff performers and then you got Jason Tatum who you know is probably in the 5 to 10 range as far as his talent that is a lot of talent a lot of depth of talent I don't know if I think of it as as talented as you know those best Warriors teams or uh but I think they're probably or maybe like the best Heat teams but to me they're probably in that next run rung down in you know this century as far as just the sheer amount of talent that has been assembled of course the question then becomes like how good are these guys uh actually on the floor when you put it all together that's going to take a little bit longer to figure out drew holiday's biggest weakness has been that he isn't that dominant lead creator and so how does that fit in you know you're losing Brogdon and Smart this offseason and you're bringing in Porzingis and Holiday. So he doesn't have to do the heaviest lifting, but he's going to have to do some lifting. So that's going to be there. But the the most fascinating part of this for me, and you could talk about this in the context of the Bucks or not, is how this changes what Joe Mazzulla and the Celtics will want to do on defense. Because mm. Drew Holiday, I, I, there, I have this theory of the case that, not saying they'll do it all the time, that you could actually see the 23-24 Celtics defense look a lot like the recent vintage Bucks defenses, where you have Drew Holiday fighting point of attack style, and then you have Kristaps Porzingis playing the Brook Lopez role. Now, they can be more amorphous. They can go to some of these different theories. They could even do that through... Derek White being out there and then maybe even with Horford instead of Porzingis and all stuff. But having and and of course, Marcus Smart is a wonderful defender. He and Drew do things a little bit differently. And I'm on both ends of the floor. I'm just captivated by what this team is going to be and whether it works emphasis on works against the absolute best of the best against the Bucks, against the Nuggets and everyone else. Yeah, I think one of our laments with the Porzingis trade and sending out smart was, well, they don't have as much defensive versatility now. And Christos Porzingis is not an incredibly versatile guy i think rob's switching may have been a little bit overrated against the best guys like Porzingis has shown a little bit of ability to get out on the floor uh more in past years since he's in washington before that he was pretty statuesque but yeah he's largely going to be a drop center they could maybe do some stuff where they do some more switching if they go to horford at center and you know it could i, I would expect in the playoffs that that Al Horford closing over Kristaps Porzingis might be a storyline in a couple of games. We'll see on that. Uh, but they do have the versatility now if, if they have that starting lineup. I was talking about with Horford coming off the bench. You can probably switch just about everything one through four. Sure. And you now have a, our biggest concern about them was, all right, if you're going to play a drop coverage, do you have that one guy who's going to be able to get over a screen? Derek White, pretty good there. Jalen Brown, pretty good there. But Drew Holiday is one of the best there and so now you really have three guys that you probably feel and then tatum too as a one-on-one guy you now there's nowhere on the perimeter to attack anymore you know that if it was going to be brogdon playing that was 
potentially going to be an issue like he's pretty slow at this point doesn't have a great wingspan uh you know where they would have to play more of uh someone like Peyton Pritchard uh, as well so now in that starting group there really is nowhere that you're like oh this is the guy we're going to go after you know that we saw Jimmy Butler try to go after Derek White at times he had some success against Holiday too but there's just a lot of length a lot of switchability against most teams so that's pretty exciting uh and then you could still potentially go with Horford and Porzingis together in certain matchups certainly you would think against the Sixers against the Bucks that's something they're gonna have to do a fair amount of I think Horford is gonna kind of just be on ice and, and of course if they went against the Nuggets in the finals too Horford's gonna kind of just be on ice all season and then he'll just he's out there for those matchups and hopefully he'll be fresh for them uh so yeah I mean I think clearly they got better defensively Drew's a pretty good help defender as well a, a really good nail defender as well so I, I mean I think this really and Porzingis I think can really thrive as a rim protector particularly now when you have all these guys who can get over screens and hey even maybe Porzingis could do a little bit of switching they'll probably try to pre-switch him out of stuff like they did with Rob but if he's playing with Horford then maybe Porzingis could make an initial switch on the perimeter and still have another guy behind him so this is this is gonna be a good defense now really good it's gonna be a really good defense and I can kind of tie two ideas together though we want to talk about the the Celtics offensively as well where now you know we, we talked about how Grant Williams was kind of a man without a home in the Celtics rotation as things were looking after the Porzingis trade and that how that made and you, you offseason you know Drew Holiday doesn't pop on the market very often and he specifically didn't until a couple days ago now Grant Williams could make sense with this team you could have gotten to, to more to more yeah, versatility more I, options I was there. lamenting that too I think with the demise of Rob uh it's really a shame that they didn't pay up to keep him. However, that iteration of the Celtics would be pretty remarkably expensive over the next few years. So it it is a, you know, it is a luxury. I mean, that would have given them one of the stronger top sevens I could remember, just of the, the, the amount of different things that you could go to. Though there are some limitations, which we'll talk about offensively. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought about that a little bit, um, but let's go to their offense before we got to the the books for the Celtics. Well, I will say this about the, the Grant Williams thing and uh, everything else. Like they still have other moves that they can made, make. They can still trade a couple of picks. They still got swaps. Matching salary could be a potential issue there. Yes. But, and they are too high to get someone off the buyout market unless that guy's making less than the mid-level. But they could certainly use one more guy that could possibly guard Giannis uh, or Embiid here because I, I don't think that is Chris Stapp's Porzinga, Porzingis necessarily. Um, yeah, the, the offense, I still have a level of concern about their overall passing. But, I mean, the shooting is going to be, like, Drew is a much better shooter than Marcus Smart was. Like, he's made 40% of his threes. I think people will point to his shooting in the playoffs, and a lot of that is just because I think these last two years he was overstretched in terms of what he was asked to do, shooting threes off the dribble. Like, he's not really going to have to do that now. I think I think Drew Holly is a reliable, open three-point shooter. Well, I feel Nate, Nate, I have a stat on that because I was thinking about this oh, when, great. When, I, when, when I was – trying futilely to sleep after um, that. Drew Holiday <laughs> last year shot 36% on pull-up threes, which 36% on pull-up threes. Like, got to get yeah. him some credit there. 45% on catch-and-shoot threes. They were just a much smaller proportion of his overall repertoire. If you want to go back to the 21-22 season, 42% on catch-and-shoot, 40% on 
pull-ups and then yeah, I mean like he he can hit those shots giving Drew a little bit less to do offensively is yeah and by it, the way just for context I think the league average on pull-up threes is about 33 percent and it's high 30s for catch and shoots sure and Missoula will have some challenges navigating this rotation, especially in the regular season, but potentially the playoffs too, offensively, where you want, I mean, Drew Holiday is such an unbelievable defender that you want him out there, you know, and maybe you pair his minutes with the other team's best offensive player. Like, for example, let's say the other team happened to have Damian Lillard or somebody like that. You might want to score that. But then, so he can, you know, shoulder the offensive burden at times, but they have Brown and they have Tatum and they have, of course, facilitating talent like Porzingis. I mean, they're playing some of these lineups where you have to defend everybody out there and out on the perimeter. And so that opens up driving lanes and everything else. And we, we've seen that Drew Holiday with some spacing, it can look better for him in terms of the drive game, even into his 30s. So I I wonder how it's going to – I, I think it'll work well. You know, like this Celtics team has a wonderfully high floor. Again, especially they're going to run roughshod over bad teams if they're remotely healthy. Against the best of the best in the playoffs, They I, I see some stagnation potential with these guys against those teams that can, you know, defend everyone like this team can defend everyone. But the truth of the matter is those squads are few and far between, and they'll we'll have some time to evaluate that before those series actually happen. What I really like about this group when they go with those four perimeter guys and Porzingis, or if it's Horford in place of Porzingis as well, somebody is going to have a really nice matchup advantage. When you think of Drew and his offensive game, to me, the best part of it, other than the way he's improved his shooting over the last few years, is his ability to take those strong, patient drives, get to a spot, not necessarily like just blowing by his man and forcing emergency help, but just kind of working slowly, getting to a spot, and or, or even all the way to the rim using his strength and the problem with the Bucks was when he was the number two option he wasn't really able to do that against you know the guy who was guarding would be good enough especially against like a Boston that he wasn't able to kind of play that now he's going to be guarded by the third best perimeter defender true on the other team like he's almost always going to like if you think about the matchup against the Bucks right if he's being guarded by a Damian Lillard or a Malik Beasley or something like that like he's going to really be able to get to his spot and then you consider that the center is Porzingis or the center is Horford so there's nobody else there there's no big waiting at the rim as deterrence or if he is you know I trust you to at least make that basic pass you know out to the near corner I mean I, I think a really powerful set or alignment that they could run is I mean it's pretty simple you just take the guy who's got the shittiest defender on him like now you don't have to do like oh set a screen and like let's see if they put two on the ball if you go after the weakest guy and then they're kind of you know you're relying on making a pass like whoever against pretty much any team this guy is just there someone's gonna have an advantage drew or jalen or jason tatum or even Derek white honestly uh is gonna have an advantage so all you gotta do is just let let that guy attack to his right hand we saw the rockets do a lot of this uh, with harden put chris taps porzingis or al horford in the strong side corner and now force whoever is guarding porzingis to make a decision are you going to help Okay, well, now we just throw one pass away to the strong side corner. Christophe Porzingis is wide open for a corner three. Like, they're going to be able to put teams in a lot of difficulty. So, yeah, their passing is not amazing. I don't know that they're going to be like, you know, beautiful ball movement and 
driving, you know, kind of the way we saw as they were on that great run early last year. But I think that they're going to be just like, you can't guard the guy in front of you. Like the, most teams are going to be like, we can't guard this guy. And Drew, even if he hasn't been, you know, the absolute top guy in the playoffs, that's as a second option. We're talking about him as a third, probably even really fourth option potentially behind Porzingis. Then you think about Porzingis setting a screen and like, now are you going to switch that? Then Porzingis will have the advantage. All these guys can shoot. It's This is going to be pretty damn good. The more I think about it, I think they are going to be very hard to guard. They are going to be hard to guard. And and I think that the – I talked about how they have a long time to figure this out. I think that could be very useful as well because the balance of this offense, which will be one of its biggest strengths, is the – you know, we, we talked about defenses having a lack of weaknesses. Offenses having them can be beneficial as well. You brought up those Rockets teams that they they did some things in that, in that space as well. There have been others in the past. And that takes some time to figure out, you know, because that at times that might be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum deferring a little bit more, being like, okay, Drew, it's your time to cook, or Derek White or Kristaps Porzingis. And I do think that they can get there. And I'm, you know, this is a lot for a second-year head coach to take on and to, to basically to get all the players to buy in as well. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easier to slash capspace. We talk about it all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice 
heavy material that'll keep you warm. It's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us and the other like thing that i've been thinking about with this trade before we move on to some of the other elements of it which are of course worth discussing is boston now when we'll see how enticing this is to players like reggie bullock and a few others is like yeah, he'd be. That would be a very nice get for them. It is the. There is a little bit of a hole now for the seventh, eighth. You know, like there are guys that we like, like O'Shea Brissett and Peyton Pritchard. But there will be a lot of pressure in certain circumstances on the player because the truth of the matter is Boston has this wonderful top six now. We have to, as a reasonable assumption, we hope that all six of them are healthy for the whole season. At least one of them is going to be out at a given time. So that means some players are going to have to step in. And over the course of this, now I was not the biggest believer in Malcolm Brogdon overall or specifically on these Celtics. But you keep on kind of thinning out the depth a little bit. Somebody's going to have to step in. Maybe they can get, maybe they one of the guys they already have steps up. That is a very reasonable possibility maybe it's that they bring in someone new this team is looking obviously good and so you could see the reggie blocks of the world and and it is true that the buyout market is going to be more narrow because this, there's a group of players who aren't qualified to do that if they get bought out in season and they made certain stuff and all that but that like so will a player be more interested in being the seventh eighth ninth player in boston versus some of the other stuff is out there I think so, but I don't know so. Yeah, so uh, they're key guys off the bench now, in addition to Horford, are probably going to be Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser, Luke Cornett. All those guys actually played totally fine uh, last regular season. You know, Pritchard really didn't have much of a path to playing time, but he's he's proven that he can make shots. I mean, I think he's even played at a level that's you know, almost third guard type of level. Certainly fourth guard is fine. And, you know, Cornett has some shooting ability, but he's largely played more on the interior. Maybe he'll play more of a spacing role with all the uh, on-ball guys that they have. And Sam Hauser as well. Yeah, he actually was ahead of Grant Williams in the rotation sure. in the playoffs. With all these other perimeter guys they have, maybe they can get away with playing him more in the playoffs. But all those guys, Pritchard and Hauser in particular, the fact that they're going to just get open shots and make them, like that's, that's pretty big. And Brissett, I think, also is a guy that I thought has some possibility of becoming a solid combo forward maybe even at a playoff level you know we'll see obviously he hasn't been in that level of crucible before but there have been moments when he's been a a reasonable support player in indiana and now if they are going to add to this group really i mean that i mentioned before that they could trade two first round picks they've got swaps they could trade a 24 and 26 or 25 and 27 however matching salary big problem 
at this point, I, I would say, uh, you know, unless they wanted to, maybe there would be a feeling that like it wasn't working with Porzingis and they could move him. He actually w- is trade eligible because his extension uh, didn't doesn't violate the uh, the mellow rule, even under this one year when it, it's the old mellow rule before it moves to the new mellow rule next offseason. So, but Al Horford, like, I think he's still really key for the specific matchups that they're going to have against a Philly or a Milwaukee or a Denver. I also don't think you can, even with the league's new, more lax matching salary, I think the odds are that you could, it's hard to get a player as good as Al Horford who would be matching salary for Al Horford. You know what I'm saying? Because he only makes Well, well and also they're, because they're second apron, they're limited to 110%. This exactly. actually, this trade actually did work barely. They sent out a little over 34 and Drew's cap number is just under 37. So it does fit within the 110%. Um, next year, that goes to 100%. And you also can't aggregate salaries together. So this is a, a move that could not have been made for where they are financially next year with the aggregation component. Uh, but Al, I mean, just because, you know, he's making 10 million this year, he signed that extension, which is a good value. But if he's not playing well, or he gets hurt, it's just clear that he's kind of done, you know, then if they probably would have to move him just to have the matching. So I mean, there are other only other salary that's much above the minimum is Peyton Pritchard making four. Right. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you could also, and they can't trade Jalen Brown. So Derek White would be the other one where maybe they would feel like he's a little redundant with Drew at that point. Yeah. By, by um, the way, yeah. the hilarity of this for, for Derek White, where it's like they, they traded, I mean, Jared, I did a pod with Jared Weiss a long time ago talking about this, like how they got Derek White and created this redundancy with Marcus Smart. Then they traded Marcus Smart, so they didn't have that. Now, congratulations, Derek White. We just brought in Drew Holiday, another guy who you are extremely good at what you do, who is arguably better at that part of it and then is definitely better at the other parts of high-level NBA basketball. Yeah, but I I don't mind that redundancy because oh, no, guys you can defend and shoot it. I'm, I'm just uh, sympathetic for Derek White because it's like you know, oh yeah, you're very very good at what you do and you're you know but but that could put him in a better chance to succeed. I would argue it does. Yeah. Well, and and speaking of that, Pritchard uh, with Brogdon moving out, Pritchard now is going to have a chance to play and be in the rotation, and he might even get extended at this point. We'll see what what that number becomes. But uh, now he's he didn't get a chance to play, even though he was good his first couple of years last year. So I, I think he'll he now has a very clear path path to really being uh, their third guard. So I guess the next question is. Presumably, Woj already reporting that these teams are, uh, that anyone that he was going to be traded to was, you know, I guess Woj didn't report that, but I we talked about this, that anyone that Drew was going to be traded to was going to presumably have some sort of an understanding of what his salary expectations were going to be and, and him getting to free agency. Uh, Woj did report that they're, he, they're now, uh, there's an expectation they're going to work together on a possible extension. Of course, he can't sign that for six months. So that's very early April. What do you think that number ends up being? Because that's that's kind of part of this uh, in terms of the price that was paid for him. Like, I think Boston ultimately isn't going to care that much because they have him for this year and they're, you know, they're kind of all in for this time. We can talk about this kind of all inness that they're at, too. But what, what do you think is like a fair deal for Drew Holiday in an extension right now? It is a rising cap and we're seeing the landscape kind of change right before our eyes. And Holiday, I mean, wonderful, sometimes overstretched in a higher role, but like wonderfully qualified to do what they're going to do. This will be his age 33 season. I mean, my first thought is something in the like 
40, 40 million range. Does that seem reasonable to you? How many years? Two or three new ones. If we're talking an extension, and then if you get out to the if you get out to the extra part, you're then there's going to be more variance in terms of years and dollars. My thought for when I was thinking about it, we hadn't decided like how we were going to address Drew's future salary expectations, but my thought of like what I would be looking for if I were Jason Glushan was four years, hundred and forty million, so basically thirty five million a year, and hundred and fifteen million of that guaranteed, so basically ten million of that thirty five million guaranteed in the fourth year. Uh, just for context, the that's about what the twenty five percent max would be starting next season is 35 million uh might go up a little bit depending on how much the cap rises we've got that smaller official league estimate baked in and then it would it basically is going to go up probably 10 percent per year after that uh and I think a good analog for Drew in terms of his performance is Kyle Lowry. Not exactly the same type of player because Lowry's a little better shooter, but Drew, of course, has more size, better defensively. And, you know, that's kind of what Kyle at, at this age was. Like, I think Drew will age relatively gracefully, particularly the way that he's improved his shooting. He keeps his body in great shape, really high character guy. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. I think, you're, you know, 40 million if it were shorter makes some sense. Um, I think both the Celtics and possibly Drew would be able to agree Draymond Green style. Because remember, Drew also has that player option for next year for $40 million. And that's so so he's that's kind of leverage for him of like sort of the way it was for Chris Middleton with the Bucks too of just but I think Drew has a little better health situation or maybe there would be a player option on there I think if I'm Drew I want to get out four years at this point you know he's 33 now so 34 started next season and you know he can't do more than four years anyway and certainly not in an extension or in a new contract due to the over 38 rule uh, I also think Drew has some leverage with where the Philadelphia 76ers are sitting right now in terms of cap space and so I, I think ultimately Boston because of their second apron and, and the tax payment they'd have to pay they're willing to go out you would think more years as I said Draymond Green style and get that first number down and you know maybe they end up guaranteeing even more than I thought but just to get that first number down and there the other thing to consider for Boston's finances is once that Tatum Supermax kicks in which would be at the start of the 25-26 season there will have to be some sort of financial retrenchment at that point like it's just going to be astronomical uh with both Tatum and Braun on those Supermaxes and then they also will have been in the second apron for two years after the 26 season so 26-27 probably going to be a season where they're just going to have to trade some one maybe they rebuild around Jason Tatum at that point on on his new deal and take a step back so because the, otherwise then you get into like the frozen draft picks thing where you've been in the second apron for two years so uh and you actually and then you wouldn't be able to necessarily get that pick back um and you want to like eventually unfreeze the the uh future picks that are frozen because you're in the second apron. so yeah that that's just kind of the financial component of this anything else to say there or should we just kind of talk about what they gave up in terms of assets to get it i think that's about all we have to go into i your theory on the eventual frozen picks and everything i think is completely sound and we'll have to see you know we're dealing with a new landscape so we'll have to know for sure how that's going to affect it but the the structures are in place to incentivize that sort of behavior and i believe that will be the case so what boston gave up i I mentioned in the in the open that it's two first round picks one from the golden state warriors one of their own warriors pick in 24 they got in the smart deal 
and then the Celtics in 29. As just if we were talking about those two things, I I had the idea as the Blazers in the mock that we were going to do that I was fo- for draft equity. It was more quality than quantity. You know, can, is it a pick that has a credible chance of being in the lottery? Ideally, in the top ten. I don't think I don't think about that as a super strong chance for either. The Warriors pick is lightly emphasis on lightly protected. I don't think that's, you know, like so that takes away a little bit of the upside in the Celtics. If I had to pick one team, that's going to be very good around 2029. It'd probably be them. You asked me in a year or two. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that, actually, for me. Interesting. Well, it just and they've traded away a few picks now. I mean, they don't really have any young guys that you like in the pipeline. Like super point. young. Because, I mean, Tatum and Brown are still. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, nobody on the weekend. But I I, don't, I would be shocked if Jalen Brown is there after 2026. 20, and they're just kind of there. I mean, maybe Tatum would be there. But maybe if they lose for a couple of years, a I mean, little bit. In, like in Tatum. Four, in four it, years, Jason go. Tatum will be, what, 19, 22, something like that? It'll be fine. <laughs> uh jason tatum in the 29 season will be uh basically 30 so and he still will almost inevitably be under contract for that time period but yeah so if he's there then you probably feel okay if you're boston but they could be in a situation where they might need to trade him and surely they would get a huge haul if they did that and but you know then they would be trying to get draft picks from other teams and and maybe their own pick would be uh so i i think that has some decent upside Um, but but then what makes this really interesting and this is why you know i had theoretically this offer come across my desk as mock joe cronin is Robert Williams. And uh, with, Bro- with Brogdon, like, they're probably going to flip him. We'll see what they get for him. Like, that part of it is just, it, it's a little bit more determined. And his his market is a lot less set in stone than, or likely than Drew Holiday's. And Robert Williams, I mean, he was a wonderful player when available, emphasis on when available, for the Celtics in their finals run in 2022. There were times where I thought he was, like, the most impactful defense player, maybe the most impactful overall Celtic in individual moments of individual games during that. And he's making roughly $12 million a year for each of the next three years. And it'll be weird to extend him if, if things go well. I mean, it might be impossible even with the more flexible rules now. And his fit with DeAndre Ayton is weird, but I mean, Robert Williams is one hell of a basketball player when he's available. And the margin between those picks that I discussed and the absolute max value, which it seems like a lot of the teams that were in this derby don't really have. It's not like they have these like unprotected, you know, the picks like, for example, that the Nets gave the Celtics low those many years ago. So to get Robert Williams in that transaction, like that gives you upside that you probably weren't going to get as a practical consideration from draft guys unless you had a surprising team in the mix or that like could throw in somebody who was taken in 23 or who had like maybe if the Pelicans or one of these other teams got involved. Yeah, from the Blazers standpoint, I do want to surely go through what maybe some of the other teams have been offering and whether they could have got more, et cetera. But from a Boston standpoint, how do you feel about giving up what they give up? Worth it. Drew Holiday, like that goes back to your original thesis of how good does this make you? And this puts you firmly in the championship mix. And Holiday fits beautifully with a lot of the things this team wants to do. And there is downside risk in terms of maybe he leaves after one year, though I don't expect that to happen. The stream gets really expensive, but he's a really good, he's a really good basketball player. And he he raises their floor in a couple of really important ways and then also raises their ceiling potentially in a couple of important ways. So, yeah, worth it for them. 
Yeah, and I think if you're looking at what they were before this trade, I still would have had to think very seriously about whether I would have had the Bucks with Dame or the previous version of the Celtics as the favorites, but I thought that it would have been very close to me. Now, I think I probably will have the Celtics as the favorite, although certainly that, that Bucks team is going to be pretty good too. Uh, now, the Celtics, of course, can make some more moves. The Bucks are, you know, they pretty much fired all their bullets at this point. But in terms of the matchup with Milwaukee, Drew has been one of the best guys guarding Dame over the years. They're different players now, but Drew is a big part, in addition to Anthony Davis, of course, in causing problems for Dame in that 2018 sweep that the Pels had over the Blazers. And I even think Drew could possibly switch on to Giannis a little bit and try to use his strength, get underneath him, especially if you still have Porzingis waiting there behind him. That's where I think Porzingis can be valuable against Giannis is as more of that backline guy. And, you know, you might just see the Celtics just switching off their their four main perimeter guys on Giannis and just trusting that Porzingis is back there now. Of course, Milwaukee can spread the floor with Brook Lopez as well. Like, that'll be interesting. But the other thing, too, for Boston is they've got a lot of positional size at that one through four, except for maybe at the four. But they've got guys who should be able to fly around, like uh, White and Drew. That's probably the two, like, the best help defense now of any guard tandem in the league. So that's pretty useful. Uh, Just a a lot of defensive intelligence there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think I probably would favor them over the Bucs. And, you know, Porzingis is a really nice matchup offensively against what the Bucs want to do because they're going to be so reliant on rim protection. If Boston can just, like, spread the floor, they should be able to get a ton of threes and and make them against the the way the Bucs are going to play. Ironically, the Bucs, they brought in Adrian Griffin to maybe kind of change things up and they're going to have to kind of go back to I think that buck style just barricade the rim and like hope that the math works out but and maybe it will because they just are going to be so awesome offensively (laughs) themselves I think for Boston's standpoint though the one thing that concerns me in addition to the overall passing on the roster is the rebounding sure a little concerned about the rebounding although that maybe if uh uh, may have been an issue anyway if Rob wasn't going to be playing some of their best units because Porzingis not really a great rebounder doesn't really pursue the ball amazing well he's gotten a little better there but you know i'm still remembering him just like being a terrible defensive rebounder in the playoffs for dallas and if you're playing tatum at the four he's a below average rebounder for a four and you know brown holiday and Derek white will stick his nose in like they're not terrible and i don't but they're not they could be a little and they're not going to get any offense probably either which will maybe hurt their math a little bit um let's see but yeah ultimately i think to answer my own question about like whether this was the right price for boston yeah no problem with it at all and like you just you need to go for it when you're in championship contention particularly because of the new rules i think that the new rules in some ways actually make this deal make more sense because they're gonna have to break this team up at some point anyway so you might as well just maximize this more limited opportunity and in a different era maybe you're like hey you know we still got Jalen brown and jason tatum we can have under contract and we can build a team around these guys for the next six or seven years but now financially you probably can't really do that and so it's like well we better go all in right now and maybe we're gonna see even more of this going all in i mean that's just it's continued (laughs) it's just continued to happen uh for all these teams it's it's really been an incredible arms race with the likes of phoenix and milwaukee and boston and well and and denver has traded all their picks etc just just briefly on that i mean one of the net kind of feelings on this is that we you know drew holiday gets back on a contender so it's really of those like top 
top level contenders. What we've done is we've at, like the league has added Damian Lillard in that mix without subtracting as much. You know, the Suns swapping Aiden for Nurkic and all that, which we discussed in a previous podcast. That is that is something separate. But like this top group is very interesting, very strong, and different strengths and weaknesses than we've seen recently. I mean, the Lillard Bucks team is still they're like they're going to be my favorite early season watch just to figure out how this is all going to fit together. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Boston is going to be fast. There, there could be a lot of fascinating teams out there. I can't wait for the season to start now. Uh, but yeah, to to trade two injury guys as well for a guy that's rock solid. I mean, mm-hmm. Drew Holiday. That's a great like, you point. Might, you might be like, oh, you know, they they lost some deaths. A two for one trade. But I mean, Drew Holiday is going to play probably more minutes than Brogdon and Rob Williams would play combined per game in the playoff. And those guys are just more likely to be injured. Drew, he's been rock solid, no major injuries at all since the those the stress reaction that he had early in his New Orleans tenure. And yeah, I, this is I, I'm just really incredibly excited to watch uh, this Boston team. Uh, let's see, what else do we need to talk about here? From I, Boston's I guess the, perspective, because the next thing yeah. could be Portland. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Yeah, I think Portland did well. I want to actually just kind of talk about this package relative to maybe some other packages that may have been offered or or could have been offered. You know, Woj reported that there are teams in both conferences that were in it. It was kind of, he characterized it as a league-wide sweepstakes. But do you think this was the best offer out there for Portland? Should we kind of just go through like what some of these other teams maybe could have offered? And, you know, was, was this better for Portland than that? Or maybe some of these teams 
should have offered more and didn't they could have clearly beaten this boston offer like what so i I guess we can just kind of start with you know some of the other teams that it made sense for them to be in this the clippers and the heat to me couldn't have gotten all the way here in part because they're i mean the heat couldn't because they didn't for lillard who is a better player than drew holiday and like this is this is obviously less than the bucks gave up for dame but not like i mean still a pretty solid haul and the Heat didn't have much more additional juice, and they weren't willing to do it for Willard. Well, so, I think so, so what what would that Heat best package have been? I presume two unprotected firsts, and I mean the matching salary is still comp. So so maybe in that in this case, Hero isn't involved in the trade. It's something maybe with Lowry or I mean Doug Robinson yeah. if, the, if the if the Blazers are okay taken on his long-term deal something like that yeah. maybe well, throw it, could, in it could have basically Hakez been or Jovic yeah, yeah. Hakez and Jokic, Jovic could have been in there I mean so that's I mean would you value a Miami unprotected pick late in the decade over a Boston yes but not by a ton and I value Robert Williams over a lot of that kind of stuff too yeah that's it seems like and you know, I, I hesitate to do this uh, w- with uh, Mike Schmitz a little bit because you know he has this record of saying stuff uh, publicly, including on this podcast, which he was nice enough to come on every year. But he's been a, a Robert Williams guy since he was drafted. Uh, of course, Rob has had these knee issues. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing to me about Rob is I just I don't foresee him ever being able to play more than twenty five minutes a game, and even that intermittently. And I also thought he slipped last year, and maybe he he's uh, be due to the injury, and and you know, of course. Part of that was because he fought through it, and part of it was because maybe even you know, I was critical of Boston, at least based on what Rob's comments were. You never know the full story on that uh, for the amount that he uh, or, or for what he was told about you know not being able to make it worse, whatever. Then he needed another surgery after the first surgery, and they were going for a championship that year. They made the finals. He still helped them, so I like I understand all that. Uh, he was extended; he was under contract, so uh, you, you push for it. But also, you know, he may end up never being quite the same, although he was still a good player. Uh, so, you know, I kind of see him more as like, like I, don't, I don't know that I see him getting back to being that defensive game changer. And also they just traded for DeAndre Ayton. So it's interesting now they could flip Rob Williams maybe as well. Maybe that would be part of this. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how highly I would have valued Rob. You know, to me, is he a worth kind of a low first round pick or you think more than that just on its own? Player plus contract. I think that it's more than like a pick that you expect to be 20th or later, but you know, a pick that has some low end lottery upside. I think that's about comparable for me. I'm, I'm, I'm still a bigger yeah. Rob Williams believer just in the idea. And, and yes, center is high, high supply, relatively low demand, but he is somebody who can be good enough to play against good teams. Yeah. And now if he was playing at the level he played at before he went down with the injury in 21, 22, then, you know, I think he's a guy who's worth like at least two first round picks, if not more, uh, given the contract, as you noted, being only 12 million a year. But yeah, I'm just very skeptical. You could get back to that. But, you know, if you're a Portland, you can. And also, I mean, how useful is it really to have Rob with the injury problems? You know, how long of a career is he going to have? I mean, I think if you're like, was he going to have missed significant time due to knee issues over the next three years that he's under contract? Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty decent bet. Also, a deal that might be tough to extend, although they might be able to renegotiate and extend because they won't have a ton on their books at that point. So, yeah, I'm, for where Portland is right now, I don't know that I would have valued him that much. 
but maybe that if they rehabilitate him and he plays really well then you could also flip him and maybe you do get uh more for him um and certainly he's sexier than any player that miami would have been offering back and they still got two first round picks anyway one of them unprotected in 29 and that golden state pick you know could have some not like a ton of upside but could be a you know a mid first round pick depending on how things go this year so yeah i, th- I think that's yeah, I think it's probably better than a package that Miami reasonably would have given up. If Miami had really gone whole kitchen sink for it, they probably could have beaten this offer, but I don't know that they were willing to do that. And of course, there were, there was the bad feelings that have kind of been reported between Miami and, and Portland as well. Clippers, the legendary Terrence Mann could have been in it, uh, but that's another guy that you know I think Rob is, is a better asset than Terrence Mann. And Clippers could have offered 28 and 30 first and swaps in 27 and 29 plus you know terrence mann and expiring salary. i mean that's a little part of this is brogdon has another year sure. uh, at uh, after this year at 22.5 i don't think that's i'll, I'll make deal. a prediction right now that malcolm yeah. brogdon will not play the 24 25 season on the portland trailblazers uh yeah he's he'll be gone by the trade deadline for sure you would think uh particularly because again he's another guard and they have all these guards who need to play so uh i, I mean he may be traded uh, within the next week or so, uh, that wouldn't shock me. And, and hilariously, potentially to some of the teams that we've already discussed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's uh, it's like I it's mean, like we, it's like a raffle where you you keep on you you just go getting lower on the on the prize list, but the people are still excited for that because it's better than what they have. Like, I, I, I that's not a yeah. great analogy. I'm very tired, but it's as good as I'm going to do. No, that's uh, that's not bad. Uh, so. Could the the Dallas Mavericks have beaten this offer? They're still pretty asset poor. I don't think they could have. Yeah, Dallas could have traded a 26 or 27 first. They have swaps. They, you know, Josh Green might have been someone that would have been interesting. He's in the extension eligible. The Omax Prosper, someone that might have been interesting that they could have traded. So I have the beholder on those guys and uh, that pick. And of course, they have a bunch of swaps that they could have traded too. That's that's like, and then the matching salary probably would have had to be like a Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes, guys who have not great money going into next year. I mean, Derek Lively is another one. Uh, if if uh, they want like a young athletic center now, would Dallas have been willing to make that deal? Like that's, I think that like Dallas could have gotten to, to comparable value with this potentially if they wanted to. But again, you know, there's also their their salary structure going forward. But I, I think it would wouldn't have been crazy for me. But I think Dallas also kind of likes the Prosper and Lively. They like their draft. They kind of want to see what they have there. Um, this is a really interesting one here. I mean, Philly, no way they could could have gotten there uh, in terms of the assets. New Orleans, I don't think it ever really made sense. Like they they could have gotten there probably, but I, I don't think it ever made sense for them just with Drew's age and the extension he would have required. CJ is probably the matching salary going back. I don't know that Portland, Portland doesn't want you know two more years of CJ after this one. Is it three? It is. Yeah, two more it years is of two CJ more after, after this, this one. one. Uh, uh, yeah, CJ would have had to have been the matching salary almost certainly. I mean, maybe they could have got there with. Uh, now nah, would have been tough. Uh, yeah, it would have been tough. Well, then um, you can get into teams like the Knicks who had the resources. I mean, if they wanted to throw everything into Drew Holiday, they they have a lot of firsts they could have done, and their matching salary is better than most. I mean, I don't know if R.J. Barrett definitely would have been that guy. I mean, they could have done some stuff with Fournier and maybe you, you do a couple other different moves. But, you know, do you do you love R.J. Barrett? Do you I mean, are they doing it with like three firsts or something like that? Potentially the Warriors, I think, are fascinating here. And I think the Warriors 
like because from their perspective, from from Portland's perspective, presumably Jonathan Kaminga would have been in the trade. And I brought up the idea of like quality over quantity. And Kaminga's star is is off from what he was as a draft pick. You and I were both big fans of him as a prospect. We still don't know exactly how it's going to materialize. He may have a different opportunity early in the season with the Warriors, given Draymond Green's ankle sprain. We'll talk about that later. And the Warriors also have. It's funny because a Warriors pick was involved in this trade. They have some of their own picks that are far better than the one that the Blazers got in this transaction because this is the one that Boston had whereas the whereas the Warriors could have in their own trade negotiated something further out maybe when Steph Curry is closer to retirement and everything else they do owe that 2030 heavily protected first to the Wizards but they still could have gotten to some stuff and that's presumably also why Kaminga would have been the deal potentially Moses Moody as well who could have been a useful part in the rotation without the equity required to be like oh he's the third starter next to Sharp and Scoot um yeah golden state was the one that i thought maybe should have made more of a push here now Woj reported that golden state was never really in it that to me is almost like golden state was never rumored to be in it as far as i know that's almost like you doth protest too much and given the tricky dynamics interpersonally uh, it's already this like chris paul is he gonna start is he not gonna start i think they very and, and all the golden state's confident with their group they want to see what they have bullshit bullshit like chris paul yeah i realized that they want to try to make it work with him and the idea that like oh yeah we like we really want to see we have a 39 year old chris paul instead of drew holiday no no that's insane like now and kaminga as well they want to protect his feelings but i think it's mostly about chris and his feelings where he already kind of maybe feels as though like this is too much of a marriage of convenience and i i feel that way uh, because it's more that he's on this 30 million dollar expiring contract but yeah paul and kaminga would have worked salary wise let's say danny the golden state warriors offered nothing but paul and kaminga like that better than what they got no no not for the blazers because chris paul yeah he would be a mentor for scoot henderson and all that but well yeah he'd be he would surely be retraded again (laughs) but he is expiring he is expiring and maybe you could use that as a vessel to add to add somebody in the future but there aren't that many teams desperate to shed 24 25 salary right now so i I, i'm still interested with what in in what kamega could be but no i wouldn't take that over what they accepted now the Warriors could have improved their offer to the point that I would have taken it over that, but I don't know. I, I don't. I I'm pretty sure I know that they didn't. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure about that honestly. I, I think Kaminga to me, I would rather have Kaminga than a 2029 Boston first. And Rob is like the next time the Blazers are good, I don't expect Rob to be there now. It could be flippable, sure, but Kaminga, yeah, could have been part of that. He just plays that that position. It's so hard to find someone like that. I think his fit with Scoot and with Shaden Sharp is pretty good. It just depends on what you think of him. You know, I I thought I remembered Schmidt's liking him pretty well, but uh, you know, again, that's he's only one voice in the room, I would assume. And yeah, Kaminga, maybe he doesn't work out, and but I think you know he would have a chance to actually blossom and show what he could do offensively. I might have preferred that package, maybe also because Chris Paul. I think he's kind of equally flippable to Brogdon. Although Brogdon fits more places, that we, we'll kind of talk about that too. It's like a main takeaway from just all of this these, this trading season. So yeah, I might have preferred that. And particularly, you know, if Golden State were willing to throw in a little something else uh, as well, I like a Moses Moody or something. I might have actually preferred that just because. I, but maybe there's all. I mean, there's a strategy here for Portland. It seems like, which is a good one, and a lot of teams are employing this. Of like, okay, we're we're aiming out towards the end of the decade. We want to have assets that we can either trade or add cheap talent to this group when the likes of Sharp and Scoot Henderson are on 
they're hopefully big contract extensions. And, you know, Kaminga, maybe, I mean, we're kind of seeing this maybe even a little bit with the OKC already of just like, hey, maybe if we have all these guys on the same timeline, like that's not actually a great thing when you have to extend all of them. But I, I don't think Kaminga would have necessarily gotten, you know, a max extension after whatever year he was going to have this year. Like they could have probably gotten him on a more of a OG Ananobi, Mikhail Bridges sort of like, hey, you haven't quite proven it all that much yet, although Bridges had. Uh, and, you know, maybe we'll guarantee you some money, but we're going to have some upside as a team type of extension. So I think I probably would have preferred that. But again, we don't know that Golden State made that offer, but I... I think I would have done that. Would you have made that offer as Golden State? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I, like, guys in Kamingo might turn out to be an amazing player, but I don't think he's going to help them that much this year. And, 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 yeah, you, and, and yeah. the idea that, like, Kaminga, his best bet, like, the 85th and beyond percentile outcomes would be the kind of player they're hoping for. Drew Holiday's that guy right now. Like, the, imagine the conversation we'd be having right now if it if what it took out of the Warriors rotation was just Chris Paul and Jonathan Kaminga at Drew Holiday. Like they'd be in, they'd be a nasty team, and you'd be keeping him from everyone else. Yeah. Now, if it became Kaminga and yeah, I mean, and Drew Holiday is like exactly what they need to. That's the other thing, like someone who can guard on the ball more and kind of push Clay Thompson to the three defensively, just get them more overall toughness. I mean, that's he would have been. I mean, that's the thing. So, and that's actually what something I wanted to transition to here a little bit before we talk about just like what this Portland team is now. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you said, you know, kind of towards the end of last season, like who's the better player, James Harden or Drew Holiday? You know, some people might say Harden, some people might say Holiday. I think more people would have probably said Harden. But James Harden, there isn't really much trade interest in him. Drew Holiday, there is like this league-wide sweepstakes. Why is that? I think that teams just in general, and we saw this uh, as well with Fred VanVleet, Houston, everyone would say James Harden is better than Fred VanVleet. Well, Houston shifted in theory from prioritizing Harden to prioritizing VanVleet because Fred VanVleet actually fits everywhere. He had he's going to have more suitors. Like Fred VanVleet's going to pay more than James Harden in all likelihood. Yeah, there's some there are different ages, but still. And Drew Holiday, he just fits everywhere, right? He can shoot the ball, he can defend, he's got some scoring ability, he's got some passing ability. I think that we are seeing teams really prioritize character and fit more than ever before, except for like the absolute top guys in the league when then it's just okay you get this talent on your team like a a a kd or something but he also fits pretty well well and also that theory and boston is such a fascinating test case for this it works well in the landscape where dynamics can shift more dramatically where a player who can fit more ways that means that if your team takes a different form whether that's that a player you already have steps up or you trade for somebody else you can make that work fred van vliet 
meshes with different iterations of the Rockets, which James Harden would not have done. And Drew Holiday is a similar live player. Now, Damian Lillard is significantly better than both of them, and you, you make a different set of moves despite his weaknesses. His strengths are just better. And the idea that those players are being more properly valued, and it is an important development in the league. And the the other part of it that's so fascinating is like, I mean, Drew Holiday is a, a very capable offensive player is it is also a shift in contract valuation, at least partially away from yay points. Yeah. And, and we saw that too, with the likes of like a Kelly Oubre or Christian Wood getting minimum contracts this off season. So what is the final tally now on the Damian Lillard trade for Boston? They subtract Damian Lillard because they got Drew Holiday and they sent him out. In terms of players, DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Tamani Kamara, and Brogdon we could see flip and get other stuff. And then in terms of draft assets, they have three pure picks. They have the Warriors first in 24, unless it's top four. They have the Bucks in 29 unprotected, the Celtics in 29 unprotected, and then they also have these two pick swaps with the Bucks in 28 and 30. Yeah, I really like controlling that three years of Milwaukee drafts. That's that's pretty good. It's it's hard to imagine that the Bucks won't be giving up a top 10 pick at least one of those three years, right? Uh, and the Celtics, you know, that's another bite at the apple too in 29. And Aiton, probably negative salary, but Rob Williams definitely positive salary definitely probably flippable for another pick and brogdon probably can be at least as you know to be a vessel uh, to to get more uh if they're willing to take back something bad and so yeah this is pretty damn good this is much better than i expected them to get i mean as we noted i wasn't one of these people like oh yeah just take the miami offer what are you doing joe cronin you know there are some people like that i expected it to be miami but milwaukee gave a, a, a much superior offer we said Miami couldn't have beaten that offer and so Cronin played this really well uh, and like I because th- to me like Miami's best offer would have been good enough to still do the deal like I wouldn't have felt terrible for Portland if they had made that trade with Miami but they did really well and so this just shows again like there are just so many teams right now going all in and uh, particularly with some of the financial aspects that we talked about like I think we're just going to continue to see this and it's just man when all of these come home to roost like what the league is going to look like when you just I think you're going to have sort of like it's going to be much more cyclical even than it's ever been before just like all right hey we're going to contend for two three years and now we just we got to then then we'll trade the player that we just traded for and maybe not get quite quite as much back and now we're just gonna be bad for a little bit it just but then we may not even have our own pick there's gonna be so many teams in that circumstance like brooklyn ran into that like you know brooklyn brooklyn where they're trying to piece together what kind of team they wanted to be in part because they didn't have their own picks to do what we would normally see a team do in that circumstance um now this is less than what the Nets got for uh, Kevin Durant because it has Mikhail Bridges and Mikhail Bridges is looking like he's going to be an all-star level of player. Although we didn't necessarily know that about Bridges at the time that deal was made. So you got to kind of evaluate at the time it was made. But uh, And there was the feeling, of course, that they just gave up everything. But I, I think it's pretty good work by the Blazers to kind of separate this out into two deals. I think they got more as a result of that. They really were able to have almost two separate bidding wars for two players. And like this overall, it's not like I would say the the Nets got more in the KD deal. 
but particularly now because you're also sort of spreading out some of the picks that you got where it's not one team and they're also far enough away where you just randomness and you know or an injury or whatever and in one of these years a a diversified portfolio if you will yes precisely precisely yeah see you're not that tired (laughs) well and the other thing i want to add in here and this only partially factors in when you compare the the nets for kd and the blazers is that the increased equity in their own picks and because that's that's a little bit more context dependent it's not fair to give the blazers credit for being a shittier team but you know they are going to make their their pick as top top is lottery protected for the next couple years well well, you can give the blazers credit for not having traded away all of their future picks the way the nets did sure yeah and and in a weird way that's also the benefit of trading this like nebulous lottery protected pick for i think it's another five seasons because you couldn't do a lot of the other stuff you could do first available draft and all that fun all that fun nonsense but yeah, you get into that sort of a circumstance and there is a scenario where the Blazers get better faster than some, than some of us expect. But I think it's going to take them a little bit of time. I mean, I don't think a Jeremy, a Jeremy Grant trade can't happen immediately. I do think it happens in the next 10 months and potentially a Simons thing, too, depending on how thing how everything works out. But for and we've talked about how this isn't necessarily the greatest draft, but Portland now they're in an exciting situation. Um, Oklahoma City is probably an interesting parallel here, which is if they're if their pick is not good, it's going to be because the players they care about for their future drove them there. It's not going to be because these like aging vets just like pulled out a great year and did something else. It's going to be that sort of a circumstance. And so it's not like a best of both worlds, but it's pretty dang close where like if they're, you know, if they lose that pick in 25 or 26, it's because one of their centers, Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp were good enough. Yeah, this Blazers repo is looking pretty good so far. And, you know, the 24 drafts not supposed to be amazing, but I mean, they should be in position to have a high pick the next two years, you would think. And, and then maybe that third year of Scoot, fourth year of Shaden, they're, they're starting to get you know, into maybe at least play in contention. And there are a lot of people, including us to some degree, although I wasn't as loud about it because I, I understood the dynamics. If you go back and look at the dynamics at each point in time, the idea of trading Damian Lillard and the fact that the Blazers waited this long, I think they got enough where you don't, even if you look back and be like, hey, if they had traded him, the only time they realistically could have traded him would have been after the 21 season. They had just made the playoffs. They lost in the first round of the playoffs, but I think they were still in the mode of like, let's hold on to this guy. Would they have gotten more than this for Lillard after the 21 season? Yeah, probably. Probably would have. You know, maybe they could have got like a team's whole draft. But this is, still, like I said, the, the diversified portfolio is kind of cool. And we'll see what they get for Brogdon, what they get for Well, the, I will Williams. add one thing yeah. to, to kind of push back briefly on that, which is yeah. the reason this looks a lot better for the Blazers, like the, the path the path taken versus the path not taken, is because they had some real lottery luck. Like, and they they had some things work out. Like if if they have the fifth or sixth pick, like this year. I mean, I, I I'm a big fan of Azar Thompson. I think he's going to be a good player. But getting Scoot, not only getting the third pick, but having the guy that you and I both had number two fall to you, having Shaden Sharp, who you had number one on your board. I think I had him like four or five. Having him fall to you at, I believe that was seven. Like yeah. that that gives you the foundation to do something like this. It would it would be different if they got burned a little bit more, like some other teams have, where it's just like. And they weren't intending to. Uh, be yeah. Bad. Well, so you're you're like, saying that they should have 
I mean, part of it was just that they managed, like, Dame getting hurt kind of actually helped them, too, when you talk about the, it the lottery. It did, right? and then them like, going so brazenly in some of those years, too, like, where yeah, it's like... Yeah, but, but they, they deserve credit for doing that, even though, of course, Chris Haynes' piece, I mean, this is a, a part of this news, too, and Chris Haynes' piece basically said that Damian Lillard reported that Damian Lillard was told, hey, shut it down so we can improve the draft pick. And, you know, this idea that Dame was betrayed because they then didn't trade that pick for immediate help, like that's, I think that's a little ridiculous. And uh, there clearly wasn't a trade out there that Portland should have made uh, at that point. But yeah, I, I mean, so there are so many moving pieces of this. I think it's good that you pointed that out. They kind of made their own lottery luck a little bit, though, uh, by the brazen tanking. And of course, Dame getting injured, too. Like if he was just healthy in 22 you know maybe they're kind of in the play-in mix and they never get sharp and, and all this and you know who knows what sharp's going to be in, in the end even though i i'm high on him so but in the end yeah i mean it's a little bit outcome-based decision making but i don't think that this package is like when you just compare hey what could what did they get for dame now versus what could they have gotten in 21 i see your point on like the overall state of the rebuild maybe being a, partially fueled by luck but I don't think that this package is like so much worse than what they could have gotten in 21. But I think also they kind of got lucky that they were bad enough to get these two picks and like not sort of be wizard style getting the number 10 pick and getting, you know, a body uh, these last two years as well. What What is this team right now? Like, are they actually, uh, we, you, we said, of course, in the over-under, we're going to take the under on whatever the Blazers end up, uh, it, it ends up being after the trade. I kind of feeling like maybe that is, is not like 100% now. I think their pure talent is a little bit better than I anticipated, but their motivation is going to be pretty clear. And that's they can make moves over the like the the maximized version of this Blazers team would be interesting. But still, like, here's the other part. They're not top 10 in the West. And so you you see gravity pull it down and everything else. And like, I mean, what is the point of having unless there's unless Scoot is that guy immediately? What's the point of keeping Jeremy Grant around on a team like that? Yeah. No, no. They'll surely trade Grant, you would think, and I would imagine it'll be for someone who's pretty terrible salary. Uh, and But I think they'll, they'll end up with at least one more first-round pick there, and we'll see what happens with Rob. But I, I think, like, I thought their defense was going to be atrocious. Maybe Rob will help with that some. We'll see how much he plays. So they're probably going to start Scoot, Simons, Grant, and Aiton. Then I think that fifth starter and i would hopefully talk with uh mike richmond in the coming days about this but i think that fifth starter you've got thibault there maybe they would play sharp at the three or i could even see them possibly playing around with like some double big alignments with the deandre ayton and rob williams even though that would of course kind of crush their spacing a little bit so that could like i don't think that this is a team that's going to get out of the bottom 10 on either end of the floor. But I think they'll be respectable on either end of the floor, at least with the initial iteration of their team. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, now Rob could just get hurt or maybe he just isn't as good outside of the Boston ecosystem or he's pissed off that he's not starting behind Aiton. And, and like, you know, I think these guys have a, way, a pretty decent chance of being less than the sum of their parts. And, you know, the likes of, I mean, their depth is still horrendous. You know, it'll be like Shaden and Chris Murray and Jabari Walker as like, you know, your primary wing backups 
or power forward. So that's, uh, you know, Tumani Kamara is going to play Rayon Rupert. Is he going to play? Like, so there, there's, like you said, there's going to be a, a motivation here. And particularly when, if they move on from Grant, I, I guess Thibault could potentially be a bench guy for them too. But if they move on from Grant, then, you know, the, it really kind of falls apart. And, you know, it's quite possible one of Aiton or Rob is not on the team at the end of the year too, or they could shut, shut guys down strategically. So they'll still be bad. But, you know, I think this is kind of a mid-20s, type of win team like if they actually tried maybe even high 20s type of team right now let's see anything else we want to hit on here before we get to news did you have any other thoughts i think that's about it ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness he works with a virtual reality training platform developed by fundamental vr and orbis international to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need the result more confident capable surgeons and even more importantly patients who can see explore more stories like dr strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now I guess the focus is back on James Harden. Jake Fisher reported that LA has not been willing to offer more than one first round pick for him. As we noted, they can offer two. If it's two, maybe I start to think about his Philly. Actually, one th- one thing for Philly, they're a big loser in this. Miami's a big loser in this too. Are Boston and Milwaukee just so good that you almost kind of feel a little better about punting on this season now if you're Philly? I know Daryl doesn't think that it's, way necessarily. It's, it's the Joel Embiid sized if. If Joel Embiid yeah. is 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 on board, but he has to not only be on board now, he has to see how the season feels and still be on board at the end of it. Um, but it is. I mean, it's got to be deflating for Sixers fans and everything else. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, because they're they. I mean, you agree with me? They can't compete with either of these no, teams. No, I mean. It's. I always say it's healthiest team that's in the mix. I don't. I don't believe. I didn't believe the Sixers were in the mix anyway, but I definitely don't now. Yeah, and that's of course if James Harden comes back and and is willing to play hard. So now, all right, if it's one first round pick and expiring salary from the Clippers, no, I, I wouldn't do that for Harden. But I would if it was two. Yeah, I might think about that, and then they would have some more assets going forward that they can use next off season that had the cap space. Well, and and Nate, another reason why the Heat, I would argue, in some ways are bigger losers than the Sixers is because they don't have a pathway to. I mean, we expect Drew Holiday to stay on the Celtics, but there is a pathway now for Drew Holiday to theoretically be on the market, and the Sixers could get him. Then he'd be a good fit with Maxi and Embiid. Whereas Miami's just these two guys are functionally, I, I would say, off their board for the foreseeable future like not only are they not heat members they're in the eastern conference and they're not going to be available it's interesting too for boston i know that they're going to have a financial retrenchment at some point and if drew ages well they might even be able to remove him as to kind of restock the kitty sure for the later end uh, of this tatum supermax that they'll be trying to rebuild around him 
just quickly on Boston as we transition into news, uh, Kristaps Porzingis played in a scrimmage, a pre-training camp scrimmage last week and supposedly uh, looked good and had no issue. Remember, he shut down due to plantar fasciitis for the World Cup. What else do we need to hit on here from a news standpoint? Draymond Green. Uh, he has a sprained ankle. Reportedly, it is not a high ankle sprain, which is better for Green and the Warriors. But we'll know a lot more. Um, media day, it looks like, is going to be Monday, but could potentially keep him out for the start of the season. And that's more important. Really? really? So who's, was that reported? I didn't it, see anything. I, on saw three to, I saw three to six weeks floated. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, who was who that? Do you remember? Jason Dumas, I believe. Ah, okay. Um, who was the first person local. I saw with, with anything? Um, yeah, lo- local news reporter. Uh, local news reporter. Here. And um, Dumas, okay. and, and eventually it kind of filtered through that seems like it was in a pickup game and it looks like it was on Jonathan Kaminga. Ankle, a geez, John Tickminga. Not that the the identity of the person who was the you know the other impetus matters in this case at all. Um, and why that matters more for the Warriors than the teams is because they have a very hard start to the season. They have a lot of games on the road. Their only two games at home are against, I believe, the Suns and the Kings. So if he ends up missing time, then that's going to be a challenge. And Kameen could step up. But we don't we don't know the specific timeline. We'll presumably hear more. But that is important for them. Well, particularly because there's this starting lineup thing. And how much is Chris Paul going to play? So now, at least as of now, Chris Paul is probably going to start for Draymond Green. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, three to six weeks, that's a, that's a pretty significant ankle sprain. That's like a grade two, maybe even close to a grade three. Draymond, he usually seems to bounce back pretty quickly from ankle sprain. So this is a, this was probably more severe than uh, what he has had initially. Uh, and, you know, he, he's also a guy who kind of can get out of shape a little bit. So that's, it's definitely a blow to not be able to have this training camp to, because uh, I think the fit between Draymond and Chris Paul in particular is something they would have to work out. Uh, so yeah, that, that's not a great start. We're going to hear more of these, uh, of course, going forward. Uh, for Houston, Amen Thompson, remember he had that ankle sprain in the first day of summer league. That was like kind of like a three-weeker. He's back scrimmaging. He says he, he feels great. Uh, Boban Marjanovic is, has signed in Houston uh, $1.3 million guaranteed out of his minimum deal there. Uh, their Rockets have a little bit of a roster crunch, but I think they like him as a just a locker room presence. Remember, he was there last year. He got traded uh, from Dallas in that weird trade. Uh, what else we got here? We've talked a lot about the Celtics and the Bucks in this podcast. The Bucks, basically, while we were recording, added Cameron Payne. He got bought out by the Spurs. He will be there on the minimum. Payne, I think he'll help them in the regular season. The the Bucks will, you know, just as somebody who can eat some innings and maybe they can be a little bit more cautious with Lillard. I don't think you want to play Payne and Lillard together at all, but somebody who can, you know, generate some offense. And then you probably don't play him in the playoffs, and that's okay. Yeah, and Payne, I think, is a, a kind of adequate backup point guard. He's been above that. He's been below that over the last, you know, since 21, basically. Uh, and, but yeah, I mean, just as a guy who can dribble the ball, I mean, they didn't really have any kind of backup point guard. You know, that was probably, I guess, like Andre Jackson before this. So, and, you know, if Lillard misses a game, they actually would have been kind of in difficulty there. And yeah, to try to keep Dame in that low 30s minutes uh, is not a, a deep buck. So just to get one more like semi-adequate rotation play at the minimum that's pretty good and we, we alluded to it earlier uh, another buyout guy from san antonio reggie Bullock, uh and several championship contenders are expected to pursue him and and he's he definitely slipped last year in dallas but two years before he was playing 40 minutes a game for them on a playoff team that went to the west finals and he can't dribble at all he can't do anything inside the arc he has these 
he misses all of his shots for the first two months of the year every year but he's still a solid defender and c- can make some shots probably not a star at this point but certainly someone who's probably capable of being in a playoff rotation and would fit a lot of places including actually he would be an unbelievable fit in milwaukee they, they surely will uh, try Wait, to pursue can, can him I, as will many teams can i just say a very quick thing on reggie block shooting splits i did his full career true shooting percentage 47 percent in october 46 percent in november <laughs> And then over <laughs> sixty almost every other month of the season. That's amazing. That that is there are not many guys like that. Steph Curry famously used to be sort of a slow starter. That that is hasn't been the case as, as much in recent years. Uh and we didn't talk about this. Uh JaVale McGee was waved and stretched. And it's a little bit of a surprise to me that they stretched him because usually you stretch him when you need more flexibility in that year. Maybe that the point of that, because remember McGee signed that taxpayer mid-level deal two years ago on a two plus one. So it was making about six million. And uh, that stretch hit is basically going to take 12 million and divide it over the next five years. But I'm not sure what they needed the flexibility for. They've got about five million under the first apron before. I guess they actually were in the tax. That's what it is that they wanted to get out of the tax. That's that's why they, they did it this way. Um, because they were barely in the tax. So this this is a pretty much a financial like money saving moves rather than a flexibility move. And that they do at least now get about four million extra in breathing room if they wanted to make a trade to take on more salary under Four. that hard cap, which they're hard cap for because they use the mid-level and because they uh and they used the bae and they signed and traded uh for grant williams and javale now signed with the kings and and the kings interesting way of doing right by their they had had this confluence of centers because they have out they signed alex len nerlens noel and nemus keda they cut noel and keda to give them a chance to play elsewhere um noel had three hundred thousand in guaranteed money keda two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, and Kidd actually is now on a two-way with the Celtics. And could, again, another guy who could just kind of be a regular season body. It does take a lot of space up in there. And JaVale, we'll see. Like, you know, of course, Mike Braun has experience with him from the Warriors. Does he have anything left? Is he going to actually come in motivated? He definitely uh, did not do that uh, in Dallas. Something in the water in Dallas for JaVale McGee not coming in motivated. Uh, John and I talked about the Poku injury already in OKC. This is big news out of New Orleans, though, Danny. Yeah, it's not. I mean, Larry Nance has battled injuries a lot, unfortunately, over the course of his career. Uh, He received a biologic injection to stimulate healing in his left ankle. He is expected to, underline here, return to basketball activities in two to three weeks. Well, the reason this is more concerning, you have one of these injections, that's because things are not healing the way that they should be. And Nance was not able to play in their play and loss to the Thunder with a left ankle issue. He was barely able to play in their loss to Minnesota on the last day of the regular season, that huge game that determined the playoff seating there. And this is that same ankle still. So he clearly is continuing to have problems. We haven't heard, not necessarily that you would, but about another injury there. But this is like, you know, Larry Nance struggles with injuries. He is such an important player for them. We talked about it. He really should be in their closing five. And Jose Alvarado, John and I talked about him potentially missing. So Nance is going to miss camp. Basically, Alvarado is basically going to miss camp it sounds like and but this thing for nance with it's like a 
chronic soreness in the ankle. And so he'll probably try to return to activities after this injection has run its course. And we'll see, you know, maybe this is like, maybe still a soreness, then maybe it's surgery after that. And so this is, this is just, this is a disaster for the puzzle. I mean, he couldn't play that many minutes anyway, but he's just such an important player for them. It's like a, a two-way option as a big, really the only one they have. Yeah, it's, it's a big challenge for them. Memphis had an overstuffed roster in terms of guaranteed contracts. And like we've seen a couple teams do, Oklahoma City also had a similar thread where they cut Usman Garuba. They're making their moves early before camp, cutting Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd. Yeah, all these Rockets young guys, Ty Ty Washington, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, all ended up just getting waived. Interesting timing here. Like Christopher, again, he's got a lot of athleticism. He's shown some on-ball defensive chops. Likes to take a lot of shots. He still needs to figure out his role in the league, but certainly a guy that I would be taking a flyer on. It's yeah. I'll say this. As I, I, I don't know. I mean, the team that I thought of was San Antonio just because they're young, though they have a lot of more two guardy guys. I, I, I was high on Christopher. I, you know, obviously turned based on his play. There's even a chance I'd consider claiming him just to get that to get that four million dollars for next year in case things work out, and then restricted rights in case they really work out. Like I might rather have him on that structure if I could afford it as a team than like on a minimum with some sort of thing for next year. Yeah, that just doesn't necessarily seem to happen and where you see these guys get claimed. Usman Gru, by the way, I can't remember we mentioned this. He actually ended up in Golden State on a two-way, which is kind of funny because I likened him to a poor man's Kevon Looney as someone who's got defensive mobility, can make some plays on defense, but can't really jump very well. And Gruba did shoot it well from three on you know, about 50 attempts a year ago. So maybe there's a little bit more shooting potential there than uh, what Looney has been able to provide. But he, he's someone who should fit well into the Warriors. I'm not sure how good a passer he is necessarily, but I think he can give them some minutes uh, in the front court, possibly. I think that's a good signing. He's like anyone who can defend like that to, to get him on a two-way. I think that's, that's re- a reasonable flyer. Speaking of two ways, Denny, the intense drama of the last restricted free agent who is still out there on a qualifying offer has ended. Teo Maladon is returning to the Charlotte Hornets on a two-way contract. It's incredible that he's still eligible for one. I mean, he's been around forever. Yeah, fourth year. Yeah. And um, for for the Hornets, this is, of course, something we'll keep an eye on. Kai Jones is away from the team due to personal reasons, uh, indefinite return situation. I I haven't been following all the social media stuff too closely, but we, of course, wish Kai Jones the absolute best. Yeah, there's uh, some weird things where he seemed to be acting erratically, shall we say. I don't want to speculate on the reasons for that on some of these like Instagram live things and talking about how like he's better than all the guys who played behind him like mark williams mark williams can't make a pull-up jumper going left and yeah i i hope that he does better like it does seem like there are some issues there and no timetable for his return and of course that probably is going to end up closing the book on on a pretty disastrous trade for charlotte although maybe they'll just be so bad that (laughs) because remember they traded a future first for what became the 19th pick in 2021 for jones maybe they'll just be so bad that that pick is not going to matter that's that pick is owned now by the san antonio spurs it's uh, had an itinerant lifestyle uh, since it was traded by the hornet but it's uh still basically lotto protected for two more years and then pretty, becomes pretty good and then becomes go. two seconds right yeah but but again more just spending the 19th pick on a guy who absolutely never figured for you pretty rough and uh the clippers 
Ty Lu said that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are on track to be 100% by the time training camp starts. This is a few weeks ago on Chris Haynes and Mark Stein's pod. And so that's that's great news. Uh, always c- kind of nebulous there. Uh, but then Josh Primo will be returning to the Clippers on a two-way. Seemed like this was all kind of orchestrated. The news of his suspension came out four games uh, for allegedly exposing himself. Uh, the league determined that that did happen. Primo maintained that it was unintentional. Uh, and I think he, they even said that it happened uh, or at least implied that it happened to more than one female staffer. And of course he was waiting. He's still getting paid for this year because they guaranteed his deal and then waived him. Uh, and uh, the league yeah, engaged in inappropriate and offensive behavior by exposing himself to women, plural. And that is not just, uh, I think it was Hillary Cawthon was the uh, team psychologist that he supposedly did that to multiple times. So certainly if there's a pattern of that, that would indi- put some a damper on, on his claim that it was unintentional and the Spurs of course settled that lawsuit uh which was very smart to do we talked about that but uh yeah so he will be suspended for four games and I'm not sure how that will affect the money that he's getting for this year that was guaranteed now that he's waived of course he's on a two-way again so I'm I'm not I've never really gotten into the like how much do suspensions cost players thing that's not my my forte but uh yeah he is uh back in the league and the Clippers willing to deal with the fallout from that. Uh, the four game suspension seems pretty light. If this was the, especially if it's like to multiple women in, the, and especially if it's in the team facility too, Danny, like to me, that means the suspension should be more I than if it's like, it's something that happened out of the team facility, because like that is, that is occurring in an area where you have direct jurisdiction over him. And you're actually like putting people into his path for this behavior. So that, and, that and may have, yeah. and may have more direct evidence potentially as well. Yeah. But you know, at some point, like I don't, I don't think that this like should have been like Josh Primo because of this should never be able to work again in basketball. Like the, you know, it's not that sort of thing. Uh, but it, it does seem a little, especially with the small suspension, the Clippers. Like, is this really the team? I, I guess maybe just to have him like, like when he's not going to be the story on a team will just be better. And, and they, they they need some more talent. He was a, a lottery pick. People argue about how good he was going to be, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, but it's like at some point he was going to have to be allowed back in the league. It's just it's a little bit surprising that it's happening this quickly. I don't know. Well, and there's there's also the element for us of this idea of when a player misses the entire season that it comes back fresher. Like to me, you know, the same thing in a way that happened with Miles Bridges, which is, of course, a significantly more severe situation. But where it's like it, I mean, Primo didn't play in the NBA basically last year. I mean, it was the abrupt departure relatively early in the season and that it didn't that it took all that time. Like, yeah, he missed that time. And I think the league kind of counts that as time served. But in many ways, like the way I feel about it, it's, it ends up being more visceral if it's at the beginning of the next. That's just the way I am. Yeah, and then this is the last thing. This came out a while ago, but I think it's worth discussing that Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra are both in the last year of their deal, The uh, as far as uh, we know. And recall that first Monty Williams got this uh, eight-figure-per-year deal. Then Greg Popovich, who famously would never leak something like this, leaked the, uh, that his salary is one of the eight figures per year as well. Part of that, I think, was to you know, talk about the length of the contract to sort of give some the impression of stability there, but also because he, as someone who wants to help other coaches, wanted his salary out there so that everyone else can get paid, including Steve, who's a buddy of his. 
And so, I mean, Eric Spolstra, the Heat have always kind of kept it close to the vest on him. And like they lasted it out. It's an extension for him in 2019. So it makes sense that he's coming to the end of his deal. And I don't expect Spolstra to leave, but these guys are going to get paid. This coaching market is going to continue to get reset. And it should be with all the new money that, that's coming into the system. Like yeah, Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league. Like he absolutely should be getting paid $15 million. All right. Well, that will do it. Holy shit. That was a long podcast. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what all these teams are going to be like uh, on the floor. And if you are not a Dunked On Prime subscriber, please subscribe post haste. This just so happened to happen on a Sunday, which is usually when we make one of the pods public. But if it happened on a Monday, Dunked On Prime would have been the only way to get this analysis. And I hope you enjoyed it. Talk soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.